Mine's good. Come on, Brent. Life's good. Got real close. Got hair high, right? Try and hit two thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes, they have. Ooh, welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham, Scott. Alongside, as always, hello, Scott. Sean, we had a thunderstorm today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what uh, what month is it again? I think it's still February. Yeah. Weird that. Oh, boy. Uh, anyway, uh, that was weird. How are how things going? Uh, things are going good. It is very weird here in the nation's capital as we record this on Wednesday evening. We did have some thunder earlier today. The temperature has gone from plus 15 to minus 10 or something. Uh, very windy outside and just a, a strange uh, day here. But... Scott, we don't think about the outside. We think about the inside and the inside of the Brant Center in Regina, the site of the 2024 Montana's Briar. Feels weird to say that, but it's going to be out in Regina. First time since the mid-aughts when Jean-Michel Menard won in Regina. Of course, other events have been in Regina in this building most recently, the Canadian Olympic curling trials in December of 2021. So, Scott, weren't they as in Saskatoon? They were in Saskatoon. I'm giving credit to Regina, though. So, <laughs> uh, but yes, thank you. you. You're correct. They were in Saskatoon. Uh, the something has been in the brand set relatively recently. I'll have to look that one up. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, I like the brand center. It's a good setup because there's like a convention space right next to it. So you can go from inside the arena to the patch without going outside. That is a wonderful thing. When the Scotty was there in 2008, I think it was, uh, I was able to go to a few of the draws. Really like that setup that you didn't have to go outside, especially in February in Regina. So there you go, Scott. Uh, so what are you most looking forward to here at the 2024 Briar? I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how Team Gushu comes out. Uh, looking to go for three in a row. Um, hasn't been done since when? Randy Furby and, and their team when they won four in a row? I think so. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's what I'm looking forward to is uh, seeing how they come out of the gate. Their season thus far, which I'm sure we'll get into, hasn't been as dominant as you would expect uh, from a, a Brad Gushu team. But I'm fully confident that they are going to be able to deliver uh, deliver their best performance next week at the Briar. Will it be good enough to win again? You know, we'll we'll have to find out. That's what I'm most excited to see. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I'm excited to see how they're going to come out. And uh, just looking at the Scott, uh, three in a row for Randy Furby, 2001, two and three. Lost, of course, the 2004 final to Mark Dacey before winning again in 2005. That game was on TV, on TSN on Monday night for some reason. That no, it was on, really it was on YouTube. It was on YouTube. Oh, and they were just showing it at the club? Somebody 
synced their phone, I think, to the TV at the club and had it on. And put that on. Yeah. Nice. All right. I don't know why, but yeah. Hey, why not, eh? Why not? So uh, it's got the event is kicking off Friday night. Same format, pretty much the same schedule as the Scotties, with the exception of the draws being played on the top of the clock instead of the bottom of the clock with only a one hour time difference between Eastern time and Saskatchewan right now. But for the final Sunday, we will be in daylight saving here in the Eastern time zone and pretty much everywhere else in Canada other than Saskatchewan. So they're going to adjust the draw time locally for Sunday so that the draw times are the same for everywhere else in the country in terms of the time. So just a bit of a note for that. Uh, it'll go to two hour time difference on Saturday night into Sunday. So the final is 8 p.m. Eastern time, Sunday night, 6 p.m. out in Saskatchewan. Whereas on Saturday, the one, two game is at 8 p.m. Eastern time, seven o'clock local. So deal with that Regina. <laughs> Well, they're the only ones that stay the same. So, you know, they should be telling us to deal with it. But (laughs) I appreciate not having the game on any later than 8 p.m. Because that's late uh, on a school night. Uh, Also, Sean, I've been told that some movie ceremony is on on the 10th. So I might be watching on a tape delay. Okay. Yeah, apparently movies are very popular. Uh, Yeah, games will be on TSN here in Canada. It was announced and confirmed that the Curling Canada YouTube channel will have all the games streaming live internationally. That will be geo-blocked. But of course, if you're in Canada, don't have TSN, VPNs are a thing that exists. So that's a way to watch the game if you don't want to give Bell any money. Same prize money as the Scotties, $100,000 to the winner, $300,000 total pool. No tick rule is in effect, meaning that if there is a stone in the free guard zone that is touching the center line, it cannot be moved at all for the first five shots of the end. Eight end minimum for all games, nine ends in the page playoff, Scott. So on Friday... They can be eight ends, but the page playoff games Mm. must be nine. And as with the Scotties, there is no tiebreaker. Ties will be broken by head-to-head and then last or draw shot challenge. As we saw at the Scotties, five-way tie. Caitlin Laws gets the spot. Those things matter. So, Scott, we saw this format. We saw these rules at the Scotties. Any takeaways from that that you'd be looking at for this week? Um, we saw Rachel Holman win the Scotties with an 11 and 0 record. So she Mm -hmm. had to play 11 games to win. Uh, that used to be what they had to play in the round Robin with the 12 team field. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and then the playoffs after that. So when she won in 2014 was 13 and 0. Uh, I, I understand that I understand all, why we're doing all this and it's not going to change whatever, but it does. I, I do miss the fact that you had to beat everyone, even in that championship pool. Uh, 
the teams that advanced to it all had to play against each other so that there was nobody that was in sort of the top half of the field that you weren't going to play. Uh, so I do kind of miss that, you know, uh, there, and, and the way they're doing draws with, you know, pool A, pool B, pool A, pool B, there's teams that like might never see each other, uh, the whole week. So, you know, uh, not, not my favorite, but it, it is what it is and it's going to be that way for a while. But, uh, so yeah, I, I, I don't know, uh, not as much work to do, I'd say for some of these teams as there was in the past. And it also makes every game that much more important. Uh, so on the flip side, that's, uh, I guess the benefit, the college football aspect of it all, where, mm-hmm. uh, what do they say? It's the number of teams that's in your pool or the number of playoff spots, um, minus one is minus one, ma- yeah. the max that you can lose. So with only three spots available, I mean, we saw Caitlin Laws with four, but like yeah. three losses is the max. And if you start 0-2, yeah. you're really up against it. Yeah, so I do like that element of the format that, yeah, all, all the games really do matter and you can't get off to a slow start or it's tough to get off to a slow start. The team's not all playing each other. Yeah, it's a bit of a bummer, but you can't win without really going through the best team. So or at least the teams that are playing best during the week. So, uh, you know, I think this is a nice compromise. I like this field kind of the same way as what we saw with the Scotties, um, teams making their debuts, some teams that have been around for a long time and some contenders. It's a nice mm-hmm. mix. A lot of teams there. So I, I do like this form and I think they've landed on something here after the changes they've made since they expanded the field from 12 and mercifully, got rid of that relegation round too so it took a while but i think they've landed on something that works here so scott uh one of our favorite questions do it every year how many teams can win uh i think that there are one two three four four maybe five okay I have six. You have six. Wow. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm in a generous mood tonight. <laughs> you sure are. You sure are. <laughs> All right. So I'm assuming your four are in my six, which are Botcher, Gushu, Cooey, Dunstone, Carruthers, and McEwen. So who don't you have from that list? I don't have Carruthers and I don't have McEwen. Okay. So I think Carruthers, because of Brad Jacobs, he's skipping that team again. I think he's capable of winning it, putting a team on his back. And McEwen, if McEwen can play in the playoffs the way he played Friday afternoon last year against Cooey and can carry it through the weekend, he can win. Can he carry it through? I don't know. And can the team carry it through all the way? I don't know. But I don't think it's a 0% chance that he could win. I think it's you know like a 1% or 2% chance. But I'm saying there's a chance. Okay, so yeah, I mean, I can see the arguments for those two teams. I I, I find it very unlikely, like you say, like a less than less than five percent chance. But uh, I can see the argument for they could do it. Yeah. Hey, as I think it was Jim Valvano was once asked, like if he liked his team's chances, he said, "Well, we have a better chance of beating them than anybody else in the world." So, 
because yeah. they were the only one playing them. So, the only uh, so you got to have that uh, that approach. Uh, all right, there are two pools: pools A and pool B. Scott, which is the stronger pool? We debated this for the Scotties. I think there is a clear answer here, and I don't frankly think it's close. So let's see if you get this right. <laughs> if I get it right, uh. Yeah, I think it's uh, pool A is, yeah. the, is the better pool. I think so. I, I think a trick it's a question. No? no I, yeah, I think that's it's pretty clear when you look at the rankings for them. And what they've done is just taken the CTRS rankings, put them in order, and try and divided them based on a formula that, in theory, would have even pools. The issue is that you jump in just the teams who are here from – British Columbia and Catlin Schneider, who is the 15th ranked team in the country, down to Quebec and Team Tremblay, who are 26th, and then to Matthew Manuel in Nova Scotia, 30th, and then to James Grattan at 31. And just the way it breaks out that you have such a significant gap between the fifth ranked team in Pool A and the sixth ranked or, or the fifth ranked team in pool B and the same thing happens down going from Northern Ontario and Trevor Bonneau to Tyler Smith. So you just have these big gaps there and pool A ranking wise is much stronger. Yes. Yes. And they talked about all the methodology for how to get them together, uh, trying to, you know, I don't know, there's a lot of graphs in the media guide and uh, all that stuff, but, uh, (laughs) They, they did not, um, they seated everybody one to 18 and they did not shuffle. So it's no. pool A is one, four, five, eight, nine, 12, 13, 16, 17. And pool B is two, three, six, seven, 10, 11, 14, 15, and 18. And this within those rankings, just some significant yeah. gaps between them. So it is what it is. Pool A is stronger. Pool B uh, let's not complain about the TV draws. All right, let's just uh, put that out there when it's pool Yeah, and I think there will be a battle so, for that third spot in pool B. Uh, you know, maybe one of the, someone outside the top four can come up and, and fight for that. But uh, yeah, we'll see. All right, well, Scott, let's get into it then. And let's start with that pool B since uh, you just mentioned that uh, the, the challenge for the third playoff spot could be something as we like to do here. We'll go in my power ranked order of the team. So we will start with the defending champions out of Newfoundland and Labrador. That is, of course, Brad Gushu, champion of the five of the past seven Briars have been won by Brad Gushu going for his third in a row in six and eight here. 21st appearance for Brad Gushu, 20th for Mark Nichols, 15th for EJ Harden, and 13th for Jeff Walker. Scott, they combined have already played in 65 Briars between the four of them. That is a lot of experience. Yeah, and they've got uh, five Briars each except for ej that has two uh not bad eh no i I think yeah that's that's a tied record that's pretty good yeah brad with five as a skip i think is the number one ever yeah uh so yeah pretty pretty darn good pretty darn good 
not uh, not too shabby. They are ten. They went ten and one last year on the route to the championship. Scott, do you know who they lost to last year? Yeah. Oh, I do. It was, it was uh, in not draw expected. three. Uh, this is bad podcasting. What what is it, Sean? Mike McEwen, Team Ontario, six to four there in jaw number three. Beat okay. Matt Dunstone twice in the page in the one-two game and in the final. On the season there, 35 and 14. The one won the Pan Continental Championship as well as the Kurosawa Championship semifinal at the Canadian Open back in January. That was their last time playing competitively. Last year, Scott, they played 11 games, five of them required the team to throw all 80 of their stones six of them ended early now that is somewhat skewed a couple of those games did play into the 10th end and brad didn't have to throw his last or a couple times didn't have to throw at all but i think it's kind of interesting that only that less than half of the games they actually had to play all of their stones for the week brad gushu threw 90 percent was a plus eight had no minuses on the record his low game of the 2023 briar was at 84 percent mark nichols started the week slow 80 percent 78 81 percent after that his low game was 84 percent and threw 87 percent in the playoffs scott they are very very good very very experienced they are. And Brad was talking to Bob Weeks on the, the Weeks preview this week and was saying that the, with this new format, with fewer games, as you mentioned, that's good for him, he's saying. At this point of his career, on his yep. feet less, it's less of a physical grind than it used to be, and that's good for him and probably the whole team. You know, EJ's 40 or almost 40, Mark's over 40. So having fewer games, less time on your feet, you got to like it for them and i think they are the clear favorite coming into the week yeah i think so i think so jeff uh at 38 is the young buck of the yeah (laughs) of the team uh i i think they're the clear favorite like i said they haven't been great great this year uh on, on tour i mean you you would grind down the numbers there 35 and 14 uh good hammer efficiency all that they just haven't been winning those playoff games at the slams as much as we may have gotten used to in years past but uh yeah it's really going to be hard to bet against this team again though winning four in a row is or three in a row is pretty hard yeah absolutely absolutely one of the teams that's going to be getting in their way is alberta kevin cooey this technically is a wild card team but they will of course be Ab K on the scoreboard for the course of the week. Kevin Cooey, of course, has four titles of his own last in 2019. They went seven and two last year. Jacques Gauthier is on the team. He skipped British Columbia last year to a three and five record. In the last three games, Scott, of last year's events, Kevin Cooey threw 65%, 75%, and 79%. Those are not Kevin Cooey type numbers. So I looked, well, maybe it's partly the the conditions and the setup. Maybe, but Tyler Tardy threw 83%, 84%, 88% in those games. Now, he was a minus at 88% because Ryan Fry played out of his head in that Friday afternoon game. But you saw 
Kui last year towards the end of the week drift a little bit. This season, 43 and 23 with a hammer efficiency of 43%. They won an event in Red Deer as well as the uh, Aster, or, yeah, the Aster Safety Challenge or as tech safety challenge, excuse me. Uh, that was a really good event. A lot of uh, great teams were in there. They didn't do great at the Alberta Provincials. They did get into the one-two game, lost that to Aaron Slachinski, lost to him in the final. And because Curling Canada has a sense of humor, don't say they don't, the first game, Friday night, Aaron Slachinski against Kevin Cooey. That's going to be the TV game. Yeah, you even with uh, you know, usually it's Team Canada gets that uh, TV game. Uh, the they're the ones that we want to focus on because we know that they're back. Uh, but who is Brad's first game? I forgot. Uh, just a second, I've got it here. Okay, uh, Nova Scotia and Matthew Manuel. So, yeah, I think you're right. That's going to be the TV game, the the Battle of Alberta. It's going to be a fun one. Uh, and Kui's like. He doesn't need to beat Aaron Slachinski to prove anything, but no. I bet he wants to really badly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if this was WWE, he would have already hit him with a chair or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Scott, let's talk about Aaron Slachinski here. They're not necessarily next on my list, but they're close enough. So we'll go to Aaron Slachinski. This is his debut. As a full participant in a briar, he was the alternate in 2022 for Brendan Botcher alongside Jeremy Hardy, Kerr Drummond, and Dylan Webster, all rookie team here for Aaron Slachinski, which makes the game against Kevin Cui slightly less funny in the sense of if they're learning it and arena ice, this environment for the first time, maybe it'd be funnier if it was later in the week, but whatever. Uh, it's a nice opener for sure. Good TV game. Absolutely. Uh, if you recognize the last name Drummond there for Kerr, that's because Greg Drummond is his brother. And Kerr has played for Scotland at the World Juniors with Kyle Smith back in 2010 and 2012 with a bronze and silver medal, respectively. So some uh, cool experience there. Usually it's Canadians going abroad and boosting other countries' programs, we've been told. But here we go. Kerr Drummond coming to boost our program the team is 38 23 on the season pretty low on the hammer efficiency down at 36 percent. that's not going to cut it in this particular event but really good at stealing scott without the hammer they're scoring 0.4 points per end giving up 0.92 points per end having your opponent under one i think that's really good defensively if you're getting almost half a point and then yourself is pretty good. They won the Alberta Tour kickoff as well as the Alberta Tour major. Uh, three slams they participated in went four and eight overall. No playoffs in any of those. But uh, overall, this is a strong team. Been knocking at the door for a while. Have gotten over the top. One Alberta. Rookie teams have a tough time. Especially when your first game is Kevin Cooey. But the talent is there for sure. Yeah, as I mentioned, you know, this is, uh, you can't really uh, get off to a slow start. Um, lucky for them, in a way, Kui's their first game, yes. and then But then they've got Nunavut uh, the next day, then Nova Scotia, which will be a tough game, uh, Prince Edward Island, before they really get into uh, the thick of it with Saskatchewan. 
uh, in Canada as their last game. So, you know, they, they'll stub their toe maybe against Cooey. Uh, they, we know they can beat them. They've done it, uh, multiple times yeah. this year, but, uh, you know, so it, even if they stub their toe there, they've got room to m- recover, but, uh, yeah, take that time in that first game, get to know the ice, get to appreciate the atmosphere. Uh, Briar's different than a slam. Uh, you can feel it in the building. It's different. It's going to be different uh, being in Regina too. So uh, that's good news for them schedule wise. Uh, and yeah, if they can learn as much as possible in those first few draws and get a feel for it, you know, we saw Alberta at the Scotties and Selena Sturme come out and just, you know, r- rack off wins or rack up wins rather. So uh, no real reason why the same can't happen here. I mean, it is a tough pool, as we said. Uh, not as tough as Pool A, but they're going to have to get through certainly Canada and Cooey and our next team in Saskatchewan and Mike McEwen, the home side for Mike McEwen. He, of course, skipped Ontario last year, went 7-4. and four. Colton Flash and the Marshes are also on this team. First time back for them since 2022 when Colton Flash was skipping. They went 8 and 4 back in 2022. On the season, the team is 48 and 24, 42% hammer efficiency, 60% force efficiency, which is very nice. 3 and 8 in the slams. They lost the semifinal of the Tier 2 Tour Challenge. They went undefeated through the Saskatchewan Playdowns. Scott as I said off the top, Mike McEwen has the ability to play with any of these people. The issue that he's had in pretty much every major event, the reason he's never won a Briar, even in the the trials, I know he was a you know four feet away, a, a heavier yeah. draw away from Kevin Cooey from going to the Olympics, but it's always been in those big games, just marginally, right? He's never. He, sometimes he gets blown out. Everyone gets blown out for sure. But in those playoff games that he's lost, it's really been on the margins and not getting a roll or coming up three feet short on something, right? That That's where it's been for him. He's never really been able to close. Is this team overall going to be strong enough to do that? I don't know. But Mike McEwen himself is good enough. Definitely good enough. Uh, like you said, almost still an Olympian. Uh is it weird that, you know, it took him so long to win Manitoba. Uh, that was like such a story for a long time. They were yeah. so good on tour. Couldn't win Manitoba. Now he's wearing his fourth different jacket at the Briar. I'm counting wildcard as a different jacket. <laughs> uh, and, you know, now he's sort of this mercenary skip for hire. Uh, but he's at that point in his career where that's what he's got to do uh, to be able to, you know, set himself up for that next Olympic run. Um, this team last year, this Colton flash team, really good, uh, really good showing. Uh, they said to Caitlin, Catlin, Catlin, don't call me Caitlin <laughs> Schneider, get out of here. Yeah. Uh, and fair enough, right? If you're going to bring Mike McEwitt in, uh, the, you got to do that all day. So I, I think this team that they're pretty good, mm-hmm. uh, with flash, it's always been about balancing his intensity with his uh, sort of ability, if he can stay calm and consistent, he can make any shot on the ice, and he's going to be the the key player for this team. Uh, if he struggles, if he struggles to keep things under control, uh, 
then I think it could get off the rails with this. We've seen Mike McEwen too, you know, get emotionally emotional, you know, not making shots, rolling his eyes, looking up at the ceiling. Often he's able to come back and make a great shot on his next one, but that body language uh, can be contagious. And so that's uh, what I'll be looking for with this team. Yeah. And it's one of those things too, where you saw it with the McCruthers version of the team where I really like where Reed eventually got to said, all right, let's listen to Mike. Like just let's stop talking and actually listen to Mike. And I kind of like this lineup because the marshes of each played, I think in three briars, I don't think I've ever heard any of the, either of them say a word. (laughs) They're they're pretty quiet out there. They, I mean, they contribute when they're asked, I'm sure, but I think that's good for Mike to have fewer voices going, mm-hmm. right? Fewer folks in his ear. And Colton has the skipping experience, a very good run in 2022, as we said. But if we could sort of have a clear delineation between front end, back end, and let Mike do his thing, let Mike cook, as they might say. Yep. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens here. So let's move on, Scott. Go over to Quebec. Team Tremblay, Julien Tremblay, is throwing the four stones for Jean-Michel Arsenault, along with Jesse Mullen and Philippe Brassard, all making their debut here at the 2024 Briar. They are from the Etchemin, Kangami, Chikudemi, and Victoria Curling Clubs, because they couldn't make up their minds. So all four are represented. They went undefeated through the Quebec Provincial Playdowns, 34 and 7 on the season 47 percent hammer efficiency they're scoring a very healthy 1.37 points per end with the hammer they won the valley field event the uh, finale du circuit event the challenge to curling des jardins and the superstorm monctonian challenge all they've done all season scott is win they just keep winning events now they're not the big major events with superstar fields but if you believe winning is contagious, this team has had a winning snowball going really since the mid part of the fall. Yeah, like uh, really just rolling, like you say. And, and that snowball's picking up speed and picking up uh, mass as it goes down the hill. I think this is one of the teams that I'd look as a dark horse to jump up and, and get that third uh, playoff spot. Uh, just based on how well they're playing. Uh, I watched them play in the Quebec final uh, against Felix Asselin, and they they just sort of had him uh, all game, just putting pressure on every shot. Uh, it was really, really good to see. Uh, they're a young team, uh, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, uh, just in their early 20s. So, you know, it'll be a big, exciting event, but they played at uh, U21s. Uh, and the like so it won't be totally new but the the briar is the br- brighter lights for sure uh but yeah i think this is a team to watch this is one of those dark horses that can come up and uh, nip the favorites in their heels yeah and when you talk about the schedule i think they have a nice schedule they start with northwest territories then nunavut then they get gushu and Kui, and then those games that you figure they're gonna need right if if, if you Team up and say, oh, well, if they're two and two after those four, then you get Smith, Slachinsky, Manuel, McEwen. That's how you finish. And for rookies to give them that chance to learn the ice, get into it, get a feeling for the setting so that later in those week, later in the week, the games that 
you would expect to be the difference for them between qualifying and not qualifying. It's good to have those later in the week. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, it's going to be uh, good, important for them to get out to a good start. But uh, yeah, I think this team can hang with anybody. Uh, it'll just be about putting it all together uh, at the right time. All right, let's move on to the Northwest Territories. I'm putting Jamie Cooey in the next spot. This is his 17th appearance, one and seven last year. It is the same team with Glenn Kennedy, Cole Parsons, and Shadrick McLeod. Nine and four on the season. They lost the final of the Alberta Stadium Curling Stadium Curling event, uh, number three, Curling. Uh, they uh, won a best of five over Team Saturnino, uh, Saturnino, excuse me, in the Northwest Territories playdowns. I'm putting them in this spot, Scott, just because Kevin Cooey, or Kevin Cooey, excuse me, Jamie Cooey has all that experience and figure probably is in a better position to pick up the ice. As we said, playing Tremblay first gives him this uh, definite experience advantage in that early game. But last year, Kevin Cooey, I just, I, I really should write down the first names. Uh, Jamie Cooey last year was the low skip percentage wise. His high game was 75 overall. He was 64%. The team was at 74% overall. And this one I thought was interesting, 67% on their runbacks, which at the Briar and the way the men's game is now, that's just not good enough. And, and you're not going to be able mm-hmm. to compete 67% on runbacks. Gave up 14 steals for a total of 22 points. But if you're looking for optimism from last year for Jamie Cooey, they did win four draws to the buttons. They did start the game with the hammer four times. Yeah, and I think a lot of that low percentage for Jamie is uh, got to be due to you know him facing a higher degree of difficulty on the shots, especially with that runback number when your team's not able to keep things clean in front of you and give you those easy shots. Then, yeah, you know it. Uh, the skipper's got to pull it out, and it's uh, a lot harder as <laughs> as as I can attest to sometimes. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, this, this team, we saw Jamie Kuishan, it was 2012 when the Briar was in Saskatoon that uh-huh. he made the playoffs, I think, uh, or the championship pool. No, it was playoffs then. Yeah. yeah. He, he made the playoffs. Plays a three, and, four game. Yeah. Uh, and so maybe that Saskatchewan magic, you know, yeah. is found in that old, corn broom somewhere or <laughs> whatever they say that uh th- maybe maybe they can do it i'm not optimistic but it's always fun to uh to watch jamie cooey play all right uh, let's move on to the islanders tyler smith from prince edward island this is his fourth appearance two and six in 2023 went one and seven in 2022 same team uh for the most part with adam cox at third chris Galantz. At second, Ed White is your lead. Chris Glant is the new player on this team. He was the second for PI in 2018 with the great Eddie McKenzie. So he has some experience. Overall on the season, they are 18 and 9. They won the PI Brewing Cash Spiel. Still haven't been invited to that, uh, despite our pleas at the Scotties yeah. preview. Hmm. Last year, Scott. 
in the eight games, gave up 15 steals against, only had eight multiple scores himself. Uh, that's not good enough. And th- they did beat uh, New Brunswick and Mike McEwen. That Mike McEwen game was an upset. Thought at the time that would kick Mike McEwen out of the playoffs. It was relatively early in the week. But one thing that I thought was interesting, in those eight games, they had nine blank ends, four of which they had the hammer for. Matt Dunstone and Brendan Botcher each had 19 or participated in 19 blank ends. Some teams had none, and we'll get to that. But we've talked about it before. When you have or are playing against a team that is better than you in whatever way, whether it's experience or better reading the ice, know the ice better, it's beneficial to you to keep it wide open. And for Tyler Smith last year, by giving up 15 steals, only getting eight multiples, he wasn't strategically keeping it clean enough that he can blank when he needs to, maybe get a skips deuce, but also he was taking enough risk to be giving up 15 steals. That's not a good mix. So something's going to have to change for him this year. I think in the way he's calling the game, if he wants to be more successful. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I think that's true. And I think acknowledging your bailout point is probably earlier than other teams. Yes. Uh, it, it's something that we see it at the clubs when we go play around this time of year, when things have been on TV and people are like, Oh, well, let's start playing uh, like we see on TV. Yeah. Uh, I think it can be like that too. Maybe if you get to the briar and you're like, Oh, well, like the fans want to see these kind of shots. Yes, that's true. But uh, you're not necessarily as skilled. So <laughs> you, yeah. you need the you need to take the bailout earlier Um make sure that uh, you have a shot at the end. Um, these teams are all really good and they're going to make it hard for you to uh, to have a shot at the end. So uh, making it as simple as possible at the beginning uh, to ensure that is, is your best way forward. It's not as fun to watch. It's not Suzanne Burt out of Prince Edward Island, but it's where they are right now. And I think where they where they need to be if they're going to improve on their record from last year. Also, if you're curious, go to Curling Zone and take a look at Tyler Smith's photo that they still have for him. Uh, he looks like he should be at your front door offering to, or, or trying to sell you cookies as a fundraiser. Uh, that's that's what his, uh, his photo yeah. looks like, even though he's a grown man now. All right, Scott, let's uh, stay in the Maritimes. Go to Nova Scotia and Matthew Manuel, three and five last year at the Briar alongside Luke Saunders, Jeff Meager, and Nick Zekernuk. This is the same team as last year. Kim Kelly alongside as the coach. Overall on the season, they are 26 and 17. They went undefeated in the Nova Scotia Provincials, beating Owen Purcell three times over the week. At the Superstore Monctonian event, they happen to play the teams that are now Quebec and PEI going one and one, losing to Quebec, beating PEI. A little concerning going into this week for them. They did not start the game with the hammer. They went 0 and 8 in the last rock draw 
last year, and they had a couple close games. Lost 5-4 to Kevin Cooey, 7-4 to Tanner Horgan. If you can start a couple games with the hammer, those are two close games that if you flip, they would have been in a tie break. Of course, this year with no tie break, if you if you don't win any last rock draws, there's you have no chance. But that's one area that they could improve, and they were playing close enough games that that could flip a game or two. Yeah, definitely, that's a, a big factor, right? Uh, when we look at teams that win, having the hammer is like a statistically significant advantage, uh, and. As you said, with no tiebreakers, it becomes all that more important. Uh, this team has a, a lot of good players. We've seen them hang with anybody, but yeah, they're going to have to avoid making the mistakes, putting themselves in the those spots that they have to overcome. Uh, I think four and four would be a good goal. I'm sure their goal is to to make it into that third position, um, but we'll we'll see what happens. And rounding out the pool, it is Nunavut, skipped by Shane Latimer, along with Sheldon Wedig, Brady St. Louis, and Christian Smitherum. The middle two, Wedig and St. Louis, are the same as last year, a team that got a win in draw two against Nathan Young, one and seven. They also threw all 10 ends, all 80 shots in draw six against Tanner Horgan. So that's one of the things that we've talked about in for Nunavut in the past. How many games can they get to the full 10? Twice last year, once being a victory. They beat Wade Kingdom three times in the Nunavut Championship, 6-1 and one overall, to get here. Again, Scott, no real expectations for these guys, but maybe they can get a win again. I, I think it might be a little harder this year, but it's not off the table. Yeah, it's not off the table. Always a... Uh a goal i think and being able to throw all 10 ends should also be a a goal to reach for for this team yeah uh in fact this year one of them lives in a caluit uh christian smitherum actually lives up there in a caluit born in ontario the other three uh have a birthright other well two of them do shane latimer uh, does not so let's move on to pool number a the harder of the two pools let's start with the highest ranked team in the pool, that is Brendan Botcher and Team Ab B. Nine and three last year, the bronze medalist. Eighth appearance for Botcher, 13th for Kennedy, 12th for Gallant, 16th for Hebert. Overall on the season, 46 and 17, 44% hammer efficiency. They have lost two slam finals so far. This season, they won the three of the first four they played in. So they got off to a really great start and have cooled a bit for for them. Of course, did not have to play in the Alberta playdowns last year. Scott, in that semifinal, they had the hammer in the eighth end in a tie game, tie five, five. They blanked eight and nine, then gave up a steal of two to lose that game seven to five i know having the hammer is a big advantage i I get that sometimes i feel like this team and we've had this criticism of rachel holman in the past as well they don't recognize or appreciate how good they are 
and just beat the team straight away. Like, yes, you can blank until the 10th end with the, and be tied with the hammer. And yeah, you're going to win a majority of those games. You're also just as likely to score three and steal one and the game's over in the ninth. Like that that's how good they are. And sometimes I feel like Botcher, Homan, teams that have the ability to just play out of this world better than everyone else in, in a field. Don't appreciate that or don't understand that sometimes and play a little too conservatively. That semifinal for me was one example of that. Yeah, you you don't want them to have to play too conservatively given the amount of talent that they have on their team, right? Just go for it. We see this with Jennifer Jones year in, year out. Just go for it. We know we're good. Uh, Maybe we'll get ourselves in trouble, but guess what? Brendan Botcher's an amazing skip and we'll be able to get out of those jams more often than a team like we've talked about with Tyler Smith. So uh, go after it. don't don't be afraid to just just grab it and take it and win. Yeah, for that last year combined, they were plus 24. Anyway. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Matt Dunstone and Manitoba or Manitoba D. They won the silver last year, went 10 and 2, but that was 8 and 0 in the round robin and then 2 and 2 in the playoffs, two losses, of course, to Brad Gushu on the season, 34 and 16, a healthy 52% hammer efficiency. They won the Stu Cells Sault Ste. Marie event, lost in the quarterfinal to Brennan Botcher in the Canadian Open. Last year, Scott, in the final, they blanked. Seven, eight, and nine, or excuse me, in the one-two game. They had the hammer after six in a tie game. They blanked seven, eight, and nine. Gushu stolen 10. The playoffs were weird last year. Again, mm-hmm. like I get it. I, I do. And I know the numbers are what the numbers are that you want to have the hammer. But sometimes this fear of scoring, <laughs> I think, hurts teams because – the other team is also really good. And I know that's why you don't want to give them the hammer. But if they're giving you some opportunities, they're, they're pushing because they want to force you or steal. You then have an opportunity to get a deuce. Like Sometimes I just feel like they're, they're too conservative overall. In the final last year, Colton Lott was the low man in the game down at 75%. Uh, EJ Harden was at 86% in that game. That was Colton's probably the biggest game of his career, certainly in the four-person game, the biggest game of his career. So you're going to have to think he'll be in a better position with that experience now. Dunstone, talking to Bob Weeks, was saying intern draws for him personally have been a struggle this year. So if all the other teams in the field heard that, make him throw intern draws. But again, Scott, very good, and he's gotten better every time he's gone. And another player who sometimes I just sit there and I think, you know, you don't have to blank this. Like you're good enough to score a bunch of points. And sometimes the games are just closer than they need to be, I feel. Yeah, I, I think that's right. It's a little like what we just said about Dunstone or not, not about Dunstone, about Botcher. Uh, just you're good. Go be good. Uh, I know <laughs> yeah. some of these, some of these blanks arise from, you know, we're trying to set something up. The other teams are good too. They make runbacks. Sure. 
that happens. Uh, but but don't be afraid to just like step on it and go. It, we saw the the semifinal of the Scotties. Jennifer Jones scored five points in the first end. She yeah. played badly the rest of the game yeah. and won easily, <laughs> right? Yeah. So even if it's the first end, if you have a chance to put your uh, foot on the gas pedal and go, go, do it. Uh, maybe make some of these games a bit easier on yourself by having uh, concessions, you know, a bit earlier. I, I don't know. I, I think these two teams are uh, by far the, the class of this pool. And uh, they should, you know, go out there and act like it. I sound like yeah. I'm angry. I'm not angry. I'm just, uh, <laughs> I just feel like, come on, man, do it. Yeah, like sometimes I feel like they're so concerned and they're looking at stuff and, and saying, well, this one that's just off the boards, he could ricochet off that and he could touch this other one and that would do a pirouette around this red one and then it would jump the yellow one and it would pause <laughs> In midair, mind you, and then come down. Like they, some of the stuff that they point out that the other team could make, I'm thinking, one, could they? And two, as a fan, if you genuinely think they could make that, why are you depriving me from seeing it? Because that would yeah. be pretty fucking cool. So just let them throw it. Like, like sometimes I just feel they give almost too much credit to their opponents and say, well, they could get it this, 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 this. All right, let's just peel yeah. and keep it open, right? When the odds of the other team making that, 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 and that might not be as high as they seem to indicate as they talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to another man at Soba team. This is MBC for Reed Carruthers, now skipped by Brad Jacobs in his 14th appearance. Last time he was at the Briar, he went six and three in 2022. This team is 36 and 25 on the season, but you can throw a lot of that out because Reed Carruthers was skipping those games, including winning the points bet. One and three at the Canadian Open with Brad Jacobs skipping. That will be the lineup here for the week. They beat Braden Calvert in the Manitoba final. All the questions about this team, Scott, are about Brad Jacobs back at a briar, back in the skipping position. Have they had enough reps with Brad as skip? Can they get into a flow? We certainly know Brad Jacobs, past champion, Olympic gold medalist, is good enough to win an event like this. I think just the question is, do they have enough reps together in this lineup to be able to get it done? Yeah, that's the the question. I think they... uh, definitely have the skill and we we've seen reed be really 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 effective at a a third position Uh, we talked about it a bit earlier um all of these guys know what their job is is to come in here make the playoffs and from there anything can happen uh especially when you have brad jacobs throwing those fourth rocks but uh for me i just don't quite see it this year i think they do need a little more time a few more reps uh, to be able to win this kind of an event, but that's what they're building towards with the next uh, quad. Yeah, and it should be a lot of fun to see. Uh, and again, I, I we said this when we did the Brad Jacobs retrospective. Mature Brad Jacobs is, is very entertaining for me on TV. Yeah. Uh, and him and Reed together should be a, a good combo. I haven't seen much of them so far this season. 
even when Reed was skipping. I, I didn't see a lot of those games. So it'll be interesting to see how they work together. Let's go, Scott, to another team with a lineup change, that being your Ontario champions. It is Team Howard, but according to the media guide, Scott will be skipping this team. Dave Mathers moves to third. Glenn is listed as the second with Tim March at lead, but Nat Cam is going to be there. Glenn, of course, was injured during the Ontario Provincials, did not play. So Matt Cam is there. He, of course, has experience at the second position at a Briar if Glenn can't answer the bell at all or for all of the games. That'll be kind of an interesting dynamic, given that Glenn's forte when he was at his peak wasn't really the high hard ones. It was the board weight hits. That's what he was so good at. So having him come in at second, if he's going to play, that will be interesting to see. They went undefeated through the Ontario Provincials as a three-man team, beat Jaden King 8-7 to seven in the final. They won the Penticton event. That was a good win for these guys. But Scott, this is the question for this team. Will Glenn play? How much will he play? And how does Scott do shifting into that skip position? Uh, well, I, I don't think Scott will have any problem with the with the shift to skip. He's done it a few times before. Uh, he's been very, very good at it, uh, won a lot of uh, big events. So I don't see a problem there. How much will Glenn play? I feel pretty sure that he's not playing every game, uh, yeah. like 100%. Uh, if, so you say he's listed at the second position, hey? So, so Mathers will play third. And Matt Cam will come in at second. That's what they um, have listed, yeah. That It kind of makes sense, uh, given that uh, Scotty and, and Dave and Tim have all played together for a long time. Uh, Matt Cam has also been a third at the Briar and yep. been a very, very excellent third at the Briar with John Epping. So uh, I don't see that it will hurt them in terms of skill. Uh, I think Matt uh, can bring a lot to this team. Uh, in terms of what he can do, you know, if if maybe he's in the house calling the shots, I doubt it. Um, but uh, you know, I think Dave, Dave and Tim together as sweepers uh, are a really good pair, and it would be hard for me to want to you know split them up. But to be honest, Tim does most of the work because uh, <laughs> the, he's the one that uh, they're all yelling at all the time. That's true. So uh, and, and swept by himself in the Ontario provincial playdown. Yeah. So definitely capable. Uh, I I like uh, this team, Sean. I'll I'll say it here on air that uh, I, I have a soft spot for uh, the Howards. I want to see uh, Goober get no. What do they call him? Gomer. Or... <laughs> Uh, win one Gomer, I think yeah uh, I, I think it'd be fun to to see them go far I, I know that they're uh, uh, not the your favorite to listen to on the microphones Correct. but uh, but I think they're good I do think they're really good yeah just uh, just ask them they'd never miss so you know I just 
every time they throw it's right at the broom and uh, they've never dumped one in or popped one out it's always uh, the ice or the the sweeper made a mistake or yeah whatever it was yeah all right then uh, let's move on scott to another veteran skip out of new brunswick jimmy the kid james gratton was last at the Briar in 2022, went three and five. He is in his 16th Briar appearance, playing alongside Joel Kratz, Paul Dobson, and Andy McCann. Paul Dobson, Andy McCann were alongside in 2022. Joel Kratz is new to the team. He played in the 2021 Juniors with Owen Purcell, won the bronze medal there. So if you're looking at the age difference... James Gratton is 49. Joel Kratz, 22. Dobson and McCann also in their 40. So Joel Kratz, the young guy coming in on this team, 30 and 10 on the season, 37% hammer efficiency. Going to have to be higher for them to have success here. They won the Mayflower cash spiel and went undefeated through the New Brunswick tankard. I do like what they do without the hammer, Scott. Even if their hammer efficiency isn't great, they're giving up 0.8 points against per end without and scoring 0.52. So only a difference of 0.3 there when they don't have the hammer. So you got to like that for James Gratton means they're playing aggressive in order yep. to do that. But it's been working out for them, even if the hammer number isn't where you'd want to be. Absolutely. Uh, what What's really hurting them is that steel defense number, Sean. Uh, at, at 0. 0.3, uh, 30% steel defense is not good. That means yeah. you're giving up steals 30% of the time. So that's got to really come down. Um, but it does mean that it's more exciting to watch because more rocks are in play uh, and they're mixing it up a bit more. So uh, always fun to watch uh, Jimmy the man, Jimmy Jimmy yeah. the kid, uh, throw the stones at a briar. They'll be eligible for seniors next year. Look out. Yeah. All right, Scott, let's head out to the left coast and British Columbia. It is Catlin Schneider, his fourth briar last time in 2022 with Colton Flash, went eight and four. He is alongside the team of Jason Ginter, Sterling Middleton, and Alex Horvath. They were with Jacques Gauthier last year, three and five. A change, though, to the lineup, according to the media guide. Jason Ginter is going to be throwing third. Sterling Middleton is listed as the second. Curious in that Sterling Middleton last year was the sixth-ranked third at 85%. Jason Ginter was the 11th-ranked second at 81%. And Alex Horvath was very, very good, third-ranked lead at 91%. Percent on the season 35 and 25. They went one and three at the tier two tour challenge, six and one through the BC provincials. I would expect an increase in comfort for these guys. Certainly, Middleton, Ginter, and Horvath lineup change. I'll be curious to see how it plays out. And of course, Catlin moving back to the skip position. I don't know. In the other pool, I think I like them more, if I'm being honest. But they're good. Yeah, they're they're really good, Sean. A, a good young team. Uh, that Catlin sort of, uh, you know, was looking for something and and found the right match here uh, with this team BC. 
it, I, I was thinking about the the lineup shuffle as you mentioned because I think Alex Horvath is the one that goes into the house when it mm. when it's Catlin's turn to throw. Okay. So I uh, I don't I, I guess they're just looking for something different, uh, looking to see, uh, you know, if if mixing it up changes the results at all. That is the lineup they threw in the BC Championships, and uh, you know, obviously did pretty well there. So uh, I was also I'm also looking at the media guide, Sean. Where do you think Catlin Schneider lives? Ooh, good question. I'm going to guess Regina. Well, I don't really know what the answer is. I'm going to have to Google this. Uh-oh. Uh RM of Edenvold. Oh. Eden World number 158. Okay. What is that? It is in Saskatchewan. Okay. Uh, is he like his own unincorporated territory? Uh, not well, not quite. It's uh, east of Regina along the Trans Canada Highway, just before you get to White City. Okay, so local ish. I, I, I thought he was making a joke of like uh, <laughs> just being in some town. computer game or something. <laughs> anyway, uh, shows you what I know. Oh, now, yeah, see, we've go. all learned something tonight. There you go. Um, and with the lineup change too, Sterling Middleton, when they do play a TV game, is going to get less time to do the full Hasselhoff that we saw him do last year uh, a few times. So maybe that was part of the, the decision-making uh, process. I, I, I don't know. All right, just let's, yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to Newfoundland and Labrador. Andrew Simmons back after his first appearance in 2019, where he went 0-7 alongside the debuting Colin Thomas, the debuting Stephen Trickett, and the debuting in the free rock era, Alex Smith, making his second Briar appearance last time in 1989. The Newfoundland team, skipped by Lauren Henderson, went 7-4. and Alex was on that team. He also skipped Newfoundland, at the 1985 Junior Championship, going six and five. So, Scott, I have uh, a couple questions. I mentioned the 1989 Briar. Yep. Where seven and four finished third place. Who won the 1989 Briar? Ed Wernick. Pat Ryan. Good, uh, good confidence, though. Beat Rick Ed Wernick was in the uh, final. <laughs> It didn't. Oh, Wernick was 87, I think. Anyway, yeah. uh, sorry. all right. Also mentioned the 1985 Canadian Junior Championship. I will give you this clue that Kent Scales lost the final. To whom did Kent Scales lose the final of the 1985 Canadian Junior Championship? <laughs> Kent, Kent Scales, eh? Yeah, Kent Scales. <laughs> Oh, how how could I not know this? Um, I'm gonna say Daisy, Mark Daisy. Okay, no, uh, a young upstart who similarly went on to a, a, a not well-known curling career by the name of Kevin Martin. Uh, uh, I believe I'm I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, so Scott, uh, they I are thought 15... he was too old for juniors in 1985. To be <laughs> honest, uh, 
<laughs> well, I mean, we can relate to you know having lost most of his hair. I think probably or lost some of it by then. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Simmons and his team, fifteen and four on the season, beat Greg Smith seven to five in the Newfoundland final. They have not played in a major event off of Newfoundland so far this year. Scott, is this the time for Andrew Simmons to get his first win skipping at a briar? I think so. Yeah. I, I think uh, they've got a good chance with a couple of the teams coming up in the briar or in the pool or have we talked about everybody? <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> uh, I think they've got a chance to get their first win here. Uh, his first win at a briar. I think that'll be a really good story. You know, uh, we'll definitely see some shots of, uh, of the lead at the Vic essay at the end. Uh, yeah. It's gotta be a Vic that. essay. It has to be a Vic essay. Yeah. I gotta be in there. You know, uh, yeah. like you say, uh, first time with the free guard zone and play all that kind of stuff. So, uh, pretty cool. All right. Uh, let's move on to Northern Ontario. Trevor Bonneau, along with Mike McCarville, Jordan Potts and Curtis bird. Mike McCarville, the only one on this team who has played in a briar. He was the third for Jeff Curry in 2014. That team went two and nine, 34 and 15 on the season, 37% hammer efficiency. But Scott, they won the Thunder Bay Major League. So that's a, a nice little feather in their cap. Beat Tanner Horgan 7-5 to five in the Northern Ontario Final. Not that you would know that because you had to look for Mike McCarville's hand to know who actually won the game. <laughs> but it is what it is. Scott, for the season in those 49 games that they've played with the hammer, they have a blank percentage of 19%. So they are blanking and just under a fifth of all the ends that they are playing with the hammer. Not the most entertaining approach, but in this field, if they can keep it open like that, other teams are, are going to, you would hope, try to put pressure on them. But as we talked about earlier, Botcher and Dunstone, they're not afraid of blanks either. So if these guys can keep it open, keep it close, you, you probably have shot or a shot at a, the end of a few of these games. Yeah, for sure. That's the advice we gave to uh, Tyler Smith. And I think, uh, you know, these guys sort of know, know what they are and will take that approach. Uh, been, uh, been in the game for a long time. Mike McCarville, uh, I'm seeing here in the Canadian mixed and under 21 championships played uh, on Northern Ontario team with Joe Scarf, oh yeah, which I believe is his wife Krista's maiden name. So yes, you would think uh, that would be his brother-in-law. Long-time connection. Uh, yeah, you know it'll just be fun to have this sort of uh, new faces on the screen uh, for Northern Ontario. They're probably not going to win as many games as uh, we're used to seeing a Northern Ontario team win, uh, yeah. but you know. It, it's good to have that uh, enthusiasm and excitement out there. Uh, and I hope to see a lot of that this week. Yeah. And I was at a little spiel a couple of weeks ago and people were mad at Northern Ontario being a thing. <sighs> I don't get it, but they exist. They've existed for a long time. What can I say? They have yeah. more championships than a lot of provinces. All right, let's move on to UConn. Thomas Scoffin 
is back representing the Yukon two and six last year. He is five and 27 as a skip in his Briar career. Trig Jensen and Joe Wallingham are returning from last year's team. Evan Latos is a new addition at the lead position. Last year, Scott, the soft stuff they were pretty good on. 81% on freezes, 90% on their guards. But just like with Jamie Cooey, 73% on runbacks. So going to have to pick that number up. Get the setup better for Thomas at, by the time it's it's his turn to throw. They did not blank an end with the hammer. Four blanks against. Uh, Kelly Knapp was the other team who did not blank an end with the hammer last year but when you look at the games that they lost they lost 7-6 to Carson Sturmey 10-7 to Mike McEwen 10-6 to Brendan Botcher 9-7 to New Brunswick those are close enough games where maybe you play a little more conservatively here and there don't give up that steal blanket hold the hammer or even if you get forced to one like just don't give up those steals then you're looking like you're in good shape the two games they won were against Jacques Gauthier and Tyler Smith so Again, played close against McEwen and Botcher and Sturme. So those were good teams. Thomas Scoffin has a great junior career in Alberta when he was a student at the University of Alberta. He comes out of that program. He can certainly make shots. It's just a case of what is the setup by the time it's his turn. Yeah, exactly. If he if he's not going to have anything to shoot at, it's not going to go very well. So uh, it's a lot going to be riding on the performance of uh, the three in front of him. Uh, which is fine. I think uh, their goal for this week should be to break that two wins that they got last year, sort of build on that, aim for three this year. Uh, Their ceiling is a little bit higher than uh, Team Yukon that we talked about. And I think it's probably higher than the Northwest Territories as well, if we look at the the three territories that are there, uh, simply because of their age. Uh, there's a little more runway for these guys than for Jamie Cooey and his team. So uh, I think that should be the good goal uh, for them is to get three wins. And then he can go and say to his sister, I got more wins than you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but even though Bailey did get a win in her first event, which he did not. So she's already ahead of the curve. Yeah. All right. Oh, he did in his first, but not in his second anyway all right well let's hope bailey doesn't suffer that uh same fate no no all right so scott those are the 18 teams that are heading to or already in regina for the briar let's make our picks this was uh, a real exercise in futility for the scotties i had Kristen mccarvel to win she did not make the playoffs you had carrie anderson to win she did not make it into the page portion of the playoffs I only had one team from Pool A, and that was Caitlin Loss, uh, who, uh, who actually made the playoffs, and they were four and four. Uh, I also had Homan and Jennifer Jones to make the playoffs, so that was good. Uh, but overall, Scott, our picks weren't great for the Scotties, so let's pick it up for the Briar. Let's start with Pool A. We just ran through it. Who do you like? I like Botcher, Sean. Uh, I like Dunstone. I think those two are locks. And then the question is around the third team. Yep. Uh, conventional wisdom would be to pick uh, Reed Carruthers, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to take the Howard 
four. Okay, so you're going to go with Howard Dunstone and Brendan Botcher. Uh, I like, I, I agree. I, it's Botcher, Dunstone for me for sure. I'm going to go with Reed Crothers and uh, with Brad Jacobs in that spot. Over in pool number B, I think it's the same where you got Gushu and Cooey who are in. Who's that third team? Is it Mike McEwen? Does he sneak in? Can Slachinski do it? Is there a chance for this rookie Quebec team, Matthew Manuel, making some improvement over last year? I think the other three are, are long shots. Although Jamie Cooey, as we said, has made the playoffs before, but I'm going to go with the experience, as I said, off the top. I'm going to go with Saskatchewan and Mike McEwen as my third team there. Very chalky in Pool B. Scott, what do you got? Yeah, so I got uh, Cooey and Gushu like... You said uh, my next pick comes down to the fact that I don't think any of the other teams can win the event. Okay. So I might as well pick fun and pick Team Quebec to uh, okay. jump up and make it into that third playoff spot. Maybe it's on draw shot challenge at five and three, but uh, I, they, they've just had such a good year. Uh, I want to ride that hot hand. All right, and of course, the big question, who wins the 2024 Montana's Briar? I, I think that it's uh, Botcher's year, Sean. Uh, that team is so good that uh, that's that's what I'm feeling right now. All right, so I'm going to go with Matt Dunstone. He's made incremental progression each year from – you know, three, four game and then getting into the semifinal and last year into the final this year, he gets over the top that uh, continues to take that next step forward. Uh, so I'm going to go with Matt Dunstone and uh, part of me hopes that he wins it on an intern draw. And that was all just a ruse. Ooh, put that information yes. out there. Uh, so there you go. That's what we got for the 2024 Tim Hortons Briar. It all kicks off Friday night out in Regina. If you're out in Saskatchewan and going, enjoy it. I do very much like that facility. I like the concourse area, the way it's all set up, the upper upper deck, as much as it's an upper deck, is pretty good sight lines for curling, as is the lower bowl. So uh, a really good setting. And as I said, you don't have to go outside for the patch, assuming they're using that space. So uh, hopefully everyone out there has a very good time. Mm -hmm. We know we will. And we'll be alongside watching it all with you. So if you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show. Wherever you get your podcast, like, rate, comment, all that good stuff helps other people find the show, keeps us going. GameStoneSpot.com, all of our past episodes, plus a link to the merch. And we're on all the socials at GameStoneSpod, GameStoneSpodcast on Facebook. And if you want to reach out, it's GameStoneSpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, please do check out our Scotty's recap, which we recorded nearly live at the Ottawa Curling Club this past Monday night after our game. Scott, the weather, as we said off the top, is crazy right now here in the nation's capital. And with the curling season for us, the rec season starting to come to a close, as a meteorologist and a former ice guy, how much does the weather actually affect what's happening in the club and how much of my misses are attributable to the weather? Well, I think that the ice uh, makers do a really good job 
okay, are they done listening? Um, I think <laughs> no, a, a lot of it has to do with uh, the weather outside, but mostly it's like the hum- it's the humidity. And so mm. when it's cold, uh, the air just can't hold that much moisture. So it, it's better conditions for making ice until you get to a certain uh, threshold where it's actually too dry and the ice starts um, transpiring up directly. It's going from solid to a gas uh, without that liquid phase in between. But uh, something that happened quite a bit when I played at the Vancouver Curling Club is that there was a underground river that went below the club. And if the temperature got too warm, uh, you could see it like the, the temperature underneath the sand base was varied from portions of the club. So oh. it, it was just like a really strange thing. And it especially happened in the springtime as the, you know, snow melt started and things got uh, a lot rainier, uh, just r- really crazy. So the weather can definitely do, uh, do some things to the ice. Uh, it wasn't a factor in us uh, being terrible. <laughs> I don't know. I only heard the first part of that. So uh, there you go, everybody. According to our professional meteorologists, all of your misses are because of the weather and blame the ice guy. Uh, so there you go. Just that. Uh, just that. That is that simple. So uh, there you go, everyone. If you're if you're playing, coming to the end of your season, enjoy it. It'll be warm, and you'll be out before you know it. So uh, really enjoy those last few games, and of course, enjoy the briar and uh, join us as we talk about it all over the course of the week. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final...